2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. If you remember correctly, the reason that Debo Samuel was calling Kyle Shanahan from our set at the Super Bowl was because he wanted to verify that indeed... He has on his leg yeah. your initials. you we'll each other's right, initials tattooed right on their legs. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Okay, yeah. I'm offer to turn the C in the C S that is tattooed onto your leg into a D. Yes.
3: I'll have D S. I'll have
2: Debo Samuel tattooed on my leg. That <laughs> proves to you my commitment. I didn't realize how big that tattoo was. I didn't I didn't think the C S took over the whole leg. Man. That's something. That's impressive. Dumbest thing right, I ever did, cut
4: back. that damn tattoo, I'll tell you. Dumbest thing I ever I've did. Known
2: you. I've 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 known you for five years, that's and not I can true. say this <laughs> confidently. There's no way that's the dumbest thing you've ever <laughs> You're done. You're right. There's no way. You're right. There's, there's <laughs> no way. Even the things I don't know about, I would be willing to wager. Uh, separate and apart from scooping the hamburger off the floor at LaGuardia and eating it, I suspect at some point in your life, there's something that I don't know about yet that would be dumber than than getting... Well, 100%. You're right. I mean, I am the guy that crossed the street without
4: looking up and down the street and lost all his teeth in front of his face. So, yeah, you're very right. I mean, yeah, that that's happened to me. That, that, yeah, yeah, I got that hit by a car hits, when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, yes, no, that was the dumbest thing I've done with with logic and having time to think it through. And I still did it. It's like I'm, I'm so sick of the tattoo and how it looks on my leg. I want to erase it. I want to go to this hospital and go, can you laser it off or carve it off? I can't take it anymore. Do you go to the hospital for something like that? I don't know. I don't think you go to the hospital for know. that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't think All so either. Um,
2: I, still get, I still get fascinated about uh, periodically going to get a tattoo or two. I, I'm afraid once I would start, I wouldn't be able to stop. They can be addicted. It's I like, well, I need something else. I yeah. need something else. I yeah. need something else. Right. So, uh, all right uh John Lynch discussing Debo Samuel what's the latest what do the 49ers think is going to happen here's Lynch from yesterday
1: I think it's in everyone's best interest we we don't get into that I don't think they're insurmountable I think we can we can find a way to to resolution and 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 we're hopeful for that because I mean we know what he's been to this organization, thirty-six pick in two thousand nineteen, and he's been so good on and off the field. Well, will Debo Samuel be on the team next year? Would it be a yes, a probable, a questionable, or a doubtful? <laughs> uh, it, it's a yes for me, and uh, that's that's our job. I mean, he's, he's he's too good of a player. We've got too good of a thing going, and, and we want to keep that going. So, um, yeah, that's 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 where I'll leave that.
2: Okay, that's fine. I appreciate the optimism, and I think they really wanted to get through the draft. Kyle Shanahan said that himself over the weekend. Once we get through this draft, maybe things will settle down. But but the guy's made it clear. He's on the record he wants out. How do you walk back from that if you're Debo Samuel? When you're doing this, remember the video? They're walking through the the club with the sign, Debo Samuel Stanley, 49 I cut to Debo, and he's kind of laughing. He says no. Look, how do you come back from that? I know a gigantic pile of money would be one way to do it, Chris. But there's just a – what's the word I'm looking for? Naivete? No. I. It's a combination of obstinance and I don't know. I just feel like they –
4: yeah, they I don't want to like believe it yet. They're clueless. They right.
2: I, I feel they're in denial. That's, yeah. They're just in denial yeah. about everything. They don't know how this happened. It's kind of ignorance. I'm trying to think of a fancy word, and I'm struggling here. But the bottom line is I feel like they, they don't understand how they got here, and they think they're going to be able to get out of it. I don't think you can get out of it. Unless you understand how you got into it. We've talked about that. Yeah. Something you said or did or failed to say or do created this mess. So until you can solve that and undo that, you can't solve these problems. And I know they're trying to be very respectful and not talk publicly about it, but they're saying just enough to make us wonder what the hell they think they're going to do. <laughs> Wave some magic wand and all of a sudden Debo Samuel decides he's staying put. I, 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 If they, If they could do that, oblivious may be the word. If they could do that... Why didn't they already do it? I, I, if it's that easy, I know.
4: Why isn't it already fixed? That's where I'm confused by all of this. Right. Yeah. Well, I you know, they obviously haven't had much contact. You know, that that's that's they haven't been able to break the ice a little bit of like, let's start the mending process. We heard that from Shanahan, what was that, Friday night press conference where he said, I haven't talked to Debo yeah. in a few weeks. So there's that. You know, again, it seems like and again, not that I know these stories. But, no, some th- people connected and, and that, you, you know, you kind of said it. I've been saying it all along, that there's a little bit of a, like, we're not exactly where it went wrong or what set it off or why exactly it's at this spot. I, I, I do think that Lynch, like we've been talking about, Lynch and Shanahan have great faith in their ability to communicate. And, of course, I think they kn- they know that there was a good relationship at some point. So because of that, they're going they're to gonna try to salvage it. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like this is one where, like with Kyler Murray, right? A month ago with all this, it's all scrubbed them from all the social media, the Arizona car, the whole time it was kind of like, eh, they'll figure it out. They'll do it. And then, you know, you start to, you know, you and I, we know a lot of people in the NFL. eh, You start to hear they're going to get it done. It's just a little impasse. Like I don't hear anything. Any inkling that, wow, well, Debo's just mad for a second. They'll, they'll, they'll straighten it out. It's just a contract. I don't get the sense here, you know, to, to play on to kind of what you're talking about, that there's, like, light at the end of the tunnel that this might get fixed. It just doesn't seem like Debo Samuel has given any wiggle room to think that to this point. There's a stubbornness to the 49ers that I think informs
2: our position that – They think it's going to be fine. It's almost like they try to speak it into existence. This is what we're going to do, and it's going to be fine. And I think Kyle is banking on Debo showing up at some point for something, and then he can sit down with him, talk to him, and they can work it all out. But how do you get Debo at this point to back off of his trade demand? He won't talk to you. How do you make this happen? And and as he sees A.J. Brown get what he wanted, get the trade— that's only going to make him more determined to dig in and get what he wants. All right. The stubbornness that the 49ers display comes in part from how they handle the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Here's John Lynch from yesterday when he was asked about the timeline for doing whatever it is they're going to do with Jimmy G.
3: You know,
1: we, we were close in some discussions and then, you know, the decision was made to have surgery and that made everyone that just brought things to a screeching halt. Uh, people mm-hmm. just. Just don't do that even with a, a likelihood that all you know that everything's going to be good but um, you know we we continue to get calls about Jimmy and you know one thing we kind of a, as a group got together and he's too good of a player he's got a lot of great tape out there so you don't just let guys like that walk out the door and and um, you know we're we we, we want to uh, either have Jimmy p- playing for us which which we're all right with or or we want him, uh, you know, to, to get the value. Jimmy's a part of us. We're excited about that, but uh, I think we we all know that uh, you know Trey's Trey's going to get the opportunity to go out there and play, and and uh, he's you know he he's got to earn that. But uh, we we believe that he's in the process of doing that. I will say J- Jimmy is uniquely. Um, equipped to kind of handle awkward situations there's something he's very (laughs) he's he's very unflappable he really is and he doesn't make it awkward on anyone and so we've kept good communication jimmy loves it here he loves his teammates i think he's aware of the situation with trey we've uh, you know i think we've we've tried at every opportunity to communicate things really up front and i think he's appreciative of that he likes trey i think that helps but sure, yeah. there's Jimmy wants to play, and so we'll we'll find the right situation for everyone. But I think we also have to hold true to you know that's a, that's a position where you need to be strong at, and uh, yeah. wouldn't it be the worst thing in the world if both of them were still here, and um, and we move forward. And like I said, he is equipped to do that.
2: I can't believe that they think anyone else believes that they would actually pay 25 million dollars to a backup quarterback for 2022. Do they think? Hey, they either think we're stupid or they're stupid. That's the only explanation. They either have no intent whatsoever to pay him 25 million dollars and they think we're dumb enough to believe it or they really are dumb enough to pay him 25 million dollars to be the backup quarterback. And I don't know what it is. They're doing a good job of selling it cuz I really don't know what it is. It's that stubbornness that oozes through everything they do. And and you can and you know all this, oh, Jimmy G's a great guy. Jimmy G's unflappable. Jimmy G will do this. Jimmy D will do that. You know what? Jimmy G was on with Adam Schein within the past week or so. He was miserable. And he said 2021 was a strange year, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Now, are you telling me that this guy is going to be perfectly content to continue to get jerked around as they try to wait for somebody's ACL to blow out with some other team, and all of a sudden, oh, let's go get Jimmy G. He's healthy now. They wanted him before he had the shoulder surgery. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. And then when they get up the Labor Day weekend, hey, Jimmy, you know, sorry, we thought we'd have an opportunity by now, but you know how this goes. We Trey Lance is our guy. We can't pay you $25 million. Maybe we pay you $10 million. You want to take a $15 million pay cut? That's fine. We can't pay you $25 million, and if you can't take a pay cut, we're going to have to cut you. And then he's stuck. He's screwed. He's got no opportunity at that point. I think that's why. He's kind of doing... The, like, why is, like, why is a guy who's destined to be a backup quarterback in San Francisco unless he's traded doing media? I feel like he's trying to agitate in his own kind of way, to just uh, hoping that people like us will, will figure out what's going on here. He wants out. And the sooner he's out, the better. And they're squatting on his non-guaranteed salary. They can cut him right before the start of the season and owe him nothing if he's healthy. Uh, it's... I just, I, and what does this do? What does this do to Trey? Is this the right way to start your Trey Lance tenure? That's the one thing that bugs me about all this. They got a guy that they need to be focused on. They got to prop him up. He's your guy. He gave up all that stuff to go get him. And you're letting this Jimmy G BS undermine your ability to focus on the guy you should be focused on.
4: Uh, agreed. I don't I, I disagree with much you said there. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. First off, we got an inkling there that Jimmy G... Jimmy G did the shoulder surgery to stop the trade talks, right? And we were we were, I mean, John Lynch just told you. We're in the middle of a conversations team and then Jimmy decided to have surgery. Oh, well Jimmy decided to have surgery cuz he didn't like where you were going to trade him or where it was going. He took power back into his own hands. Period. That that's what it looks like. You know, so they kind of led us to the inkling there. You know, having two quarterbacks does not mean you have got a strong quarterback room. That does not. And I would be with you all the way. Totally a disaster for Trey Lance. Oh, yeah, bring Jimmy Garoppolo to training camp. Right. Should go Great. And then the first week, let's say it's day five, Trey Lance throws three picks in practice, the media saw it, and Jimmy G's tearing it up, and the team sees it. Oh, we great. It's going to be great for Trey Lance's development. Great. And then the preseason game, you have one or two games like that. Oh, and then what? are we? Gonna, I mean, are we going to get to the regular season? And are you, are you trying to tell us that you're going to bring him to the regular season? And then he's going to – you guys start out 0-2 and, and he doesn't play well. And he's gonna, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be your backup. And that's not going to be a thing for the 49er fan base and the organization. Like, absolutely not. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I think they think we're stupid. I think that's the one I would choose of either one. I don't think they're stupid. I just think they think we're stupid. And uh, I don't like that either because I'm not stupid. Well, I'm it's just stupid. It's, above it. it
2: <laughs> it's stupid for them to think we're stupid because it's transparent. And either they are playing dumb or they are dumb. Either way, it's not a good look for the San Francisco 49ers. And I don't know how they fail to see that. Let's take a break. Had a chance to talk yesterday with Bill's GM, Brandon Beam. We're going to play some of that for you next on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. There's the Buffalo Bills draft class from 2022 on Monday afternoon. I spoke with Bills GM Brandon Bean. Here is some of that conversation, starting with me asking Brandon about the decision to pay his top wide receiver or roll the dice on a prospect in the draft, specifically in regards to the new contract that the Bills gave to receiver Stefan Dix.
3: Well, I think it's uh, you got a proven product, a guy who's been in your building, who's got a, a relationship with your quarterback, and ultimately you have to have a cutoff. Like, you know, just like you do when you go in to buy a house, you're going, all right, we'd like to buy the house for this, uh, but we're walking away at this number, and you kind of set those parameters before you do a deal. And ultimately, you know, I think Steph and his agent did a did a, did a fair job of pointing out their points of even where the number two market has gone. Uh, to why the number one market should be. And, you know, Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams had gotten done before ours. So, but, you know, I just tried to envision, all right, if we, okay, we can either sign him to an extension, you know, maybe he plays it out, but maybe there's, we have some issues with that down the line, um, or we can go the route that some teams are choosing trade and redraft. But I just couldn't imagine where we're getting what we were going to get to um, to replace Steph in the sense of what he brings our offense. You know, he opens it up for Gabe Davis, for, for Dawson Knox, and uh, some of the other guys that we have here. We're a different offense without Steph.
2: And isn't that kind of what we're losing sight of with this idea that you could trade an accomplished receiver and just backfill with a first-rounder? There's a presumption that that guy walks through the door and plays well, and we know from history for every guy that works out really well, there's a guy – it doesn 't it seems like a heck of a risk to me to say we 're going to let the bird in the hand go and just assume we 're going to go grab another bird in the draft
3: yeah, i mean i haven 't been around very many number one receivers in Carolina. We had Steve Smith um, and he was a clear number one, and when we got here we were we were truly our offense hit another level when we got a true number one guy and to say that i 'm definitely going to hit that in the draft where we 've been drafting. Um, you know that just that seemed like more of a, a a risk I wasn't willing to take if we could get stuff done a number that that made sense for him and made sense for us which fortunately we did
2: as media we kick around ideas all the time about why there are so many great receivers today but you're in a better position than I am to give me an assessment. Why is it that we've gotten to this point where every year there's so many great receivers in the
3: draft I think just the the evolution of the game and the the rules and and these uh, the seven on sevens starting i mean mike you know it you know i know he's growing up you know if if you threw the ball in junior high three times a game you guys were airing it out it was air coriel um you know it's just you know nowadays you go watch pop warner football and these kids are throwing the ball in pop warner football and um you got seven on seven camps i got i just had one graduate high school a year ago i got another one in high school now and that's what is coming up for them in, in the summer is seven on seven camp. So you're seeing more quarterbacks that are coming in with the tools. And then you just got all these receivers four wide, five wide. So more guys are getting chances to play and show their skill set. It's going to the college game, which ultimately is working worked its way into our, our league in the NFL.
2: Something I haven't thought of until we had this conversation, because I've talked about the seven on seven before. So I'm somewhat relieved that we're on the same page that, that I've got that part of it figured out, but, what about the defensive backs? Is it that the best athletes are now being attracted to the receiver position and not playing DB? Because you would think that if there's more guys running pass routes and catching passes in seven-on-sevens, more opportunities for guys to learn how to cover them, but we don't see the same increase in great defensive backs coming into the draft that we see in receivers.
3: Yeah, and I think that's why there's still a premium on that corner position, because it's, it's, it's hard to find. And, and the rules of the game are so pro receiver. I mean, you, you, if the, if the same contact is going on offense to a defender, it gets let go that many times is called, you know, either illegal contact or pass interference on the defender. So playing defense in in our game is, is harder than ever, especially defensive back, just the way the rules are. And uh, again, I think guys like scoring touchdowns versus being scored on guys are naturally going to go. You hear it all the time. I mean, uh, Trayvon Diggs, Steph's brother, went to Alabama as a receiver, and they thought, "Man, this guy, this guy would be a big, good-looking corner." We think that's his his long-term play, and uh, he's had a heck of a start in Dallas.
2: Full conversation is available at uh, PFT and youtubecom Sports. A couple other topics got into with him. What does he look at when the schedule comes out? And also, how confident is he that the end of the playoff loss to the Chiefs is in the rearview mirror because we talked about other teams that seem to struggle to get past big losses like that whether it was the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49 the Falcons in Super Bowl 51 something that can hover over a team how confident is he they can move forward so you can see all that there but you know Chris they're on the side of you got a great receiver you pay the great receiver you don't try to get cute and trade him and go draft somebody else who's going to be as good.
4: No, I mean he said a lot of great things. I mean we t- he talked about you know the youth, the youth football, the rules, right, the way the league set up. We talk we've talked a lot about that. But yes, he's one that sounds like he's going to be one that's going to more flirt with the proven commodities over the you know unproven. Let's see if we can work him and m- make it better. Uh, and I get that. And you know we've talked about that. It's going to be interesting. They did a good draft. They're a very well built football team because of Brandon Bean. I love the James Cook pick they had from Georgia, Dalvin Cook's little brother. Man, you know, Josh Allen stressing the defense with his big arm and then him working underneath. Wow, James Cook's going to be a big weapon for them.
2: Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the NFL has plenty of investigations. They have one fewer now, one has been closed. We'll tell you what the NFL concluded and some lingering questions as it relates to that issue when PFD Live continues right after this. We didn't even know there was an investigation until the investigation was almost over. 60-day independent review, independent air quotes of comments made by former Cleveland coach Hugh Jackson as to whether or not the Browns paid or otherwise provided incentives to lose games in 2016 and 2017. Mary Jo White, who I think is currently stirring three other pots for the NFL and a team of lawyers from her firm, determined that none of the allegations could be substantiated. It could be it could not it could be substantiated there's a little wiggle room in that it's like well maybe they're true we just can't substantiate them one of the reasons they couldn't substantiate them chris hugh jackson declined to cooperate he initially said he would meet with investigators ultimately he didn't do it and also buried in this the idea that there was an arbitration proceeding between the Browns and Hugh Jackson, I poked around on this a little bit last night because when you see there was an arbitration between team and coach, first thing you think is the team tried to not pay him. Yeah. They paid him every penny. Right. What He was it filed some arbitration proceeding, I'm told, that has something to do with these same issues. That, that he was basically trying to clear his name. Hey, I, I, we didn't lose all those games because I'm a bad coach. We lost all those games because we had this system in place that incentivized losing. That was basically the argument that he made on social media after the Brian Flores lawsuit was, was filed. The idea that, well, hey, this happened to me too. We had incentives to do things that didn't result in winning games, and they did get the number one overall pick two straight years, but the allegations whatever it was he said could not be substantiated by the 60-day investigation
4: right well i mean I, you know it just it's it's a weird one uh, it it's 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 hard to substantiate claims that a human being makes when he doesn't want to sit down and talk to the people to go hey let me substantiate the claims and sell them to you so you can go hey they are real so it just has seemed fishy from the start a little bit well, I mean we we discussed this. A few I think weeks he was ago. afraid. I yeah. think I think he was afraid. Right. This is just my
2: speculation. Gotcha. Speculation. Yep. I think that he became concerned about how the allegations and maybe his participation could blow back on him. I think he got nervous about that. Maybe I don't know the, I don't well, know the yeah. truth. I mean, I'm just saying, because you have to have a, an explanation
4: for why all of a sudden you clam up. Exactly. Why did you clam up? Right. Well, I, that's it just, I don't, it just seems weird. He came out strong and defiant and kind of backed off of it. Definitely. You know, there's been, he's had his own issues with his own college program here. It's just like one of those where, he, now you know, it's not the most credible source in the world. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was about. Was it all about that anyways? Like what you're talking about? Was the arbitration and all that kind of just to finagle a perception that it really wasn't me to keep your name in good standings in the NFL? I, I don't know. Either way, it just it, uh, kind of seems weird, Hugh Jackson's approach on this whole matter. And, and the the only reason that
2: we know about this separate arbitration between Jackson and the Browns is that it's mentioned in the final paragraph of the statement the club produced thousands of pages of documents, emails, et cetera et etc and the club had access to the public statements and the filings made by Hugh Jackson and the testimony he gave in the prior arbitration proceedings. So so he's all and maybe he just decided, hey, I've already said. I've already said what I said. I don't know if he was concerned about maybe committing perjury, if he already testified before, and then he comes in and tells a different story. Now, I don't know, but he just decided, I'm out, I'm done. They decided to investigate it. I decided not to cooperate, even though he initially said that they would. And that all did come from the allegation made by Brian Flores in his lawsuit filed on February 1 that he was offered $100,000 per loss in 2019 because the Dolphins allegedly wanted to improve their draft standing. The case has changed since then. Ray Horton has joined the effort. Um, Steve Wilkes, the former Cardinals coach, is now part of it. They had a a hearing yesterday, a conference yesterday, and two big things to keep in mind as it relates to the Flores case moving forward. Number one, the only issue that's getting resolved over the next few months is whether or not the NFL is going to be able to force – the case into its secret rigged kangaroo court known as private arbitration presided over by the commissioner or his designee. That's going to be briefed. It's going to be argued. It's going to be resolved at some point, maybe right at the start of the season. So that's all that's going to happen this summer. Secondly, secondly, the plaintiffs, Brian Flores and Wilkes and Horton, they're willing to participate in efforts to try to resolve the case. The NFL is not. And in a letter that was sent jointly by the lawyers on April 21, the NFL went back to Without merit. Remember, initially they said the case is without merit. Then they said a lot of other things. that made think, well, maybe they don't think it's without merit. Now, officially, letter to the judge, April twenty-one. NFL position claims are without merit as
4: a matter of law. That's uh, it's hilarious. I did not know that aspect there. Well, I guess they got to they got to throw their best pitches here when it comes down to it, and 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 you know, try to look like they're not guilty uh in this this whole it's process.
2: definitely without merit if they get to resolve the case in their kangaroo court
4: well, well, of course i mean it is it,
2: presided over by the commissioner it,
4: it, 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 it's definitely without merit there it doesn't even it, the whole thing doesn't even seem like it should be legal hey here's a head coaching job you gotta sign this because if we fire you <laughs> you gotta do what we say anyways and we'll be the judge to tell you how it all went down I mean, that that doesn't even seem like it's morally or legally right that you can do that. Well,
2: that's the the first fight. That's the first fight. And the argument is going to be it's wrong for one of the parties to the cases to be deciding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll, 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 hey, I'll do you a favor. I'll, I'll, I'll serve as the judge here. You're, you're suing my company and the yeah, various teams right. that employ me. I'll go. I'll go ahead and I'll do you a favor. I'll what's take what's that? What's that? Schedule. Dolphins owner? I'm what's that? I case. mean,
4: guilty? Not guilty? What? Yeah. Oh, what? yes. Excuse yeah. me. Hold on. I was talking to my friend there. Wait. Go on with the arbitration case. Sure, right, right. All right,
2: yesterday we drafted the biggest winners from the 2022 draft. Today we look at the biggest losers from the 2022 draft. We'll do that next on PT
4: Draft, 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 draft.
2: The Giants were perceived to be losers in 1979 on this day according to quirky research the giants used the seventh overall pick on an immobile small college quarterback who had completed less than half of his passes in his college career his name philip sims aka the big effort uh, hey, so much, Yeah, maybe, the, is this why, is this, uh, have we finally tripped over, Chris, the origin story for your defensive Josh Allen for having a low completion percentage
4: in college? <laughs> That's right. Is this
2: all motivated by Phil having a low completion percentage because he had a bunch of crappy receivers at Moorhead State?
4: Uh, uh, that, that, and they, you know, and just, I've seen a little, like, my dad's games in college and, of course, even the NFL, like, it just is such a different game. I mean, I, I was watching a game of my dad just the other night, like in 85, in 1985. Like, you know, they just, it's, it's, it's so much more aggressive with the passing game. There's no wide receiver screen or four-yard option route, you know, six times on one drive. It's, it's just hilarious to where, you know, some of my dad's best years of his career in the NFL were at 55, 56%. Every throw is 20, 30 yards down the field. So uh, it's just a different game. But uh, yeah, Big Phil certainly got some booze uh, early on in his career. Nobody knew who the hell he was up here in New York. All right. Uh, you got a trivia question for me. And I can tell you right now, I see it and I don't know the answer. All Go right. ahead and, and ask it. All right. Well, you should. You should be paying in the draft. You're a football guy. It was the number one thing here this Go weekend. Ahead. Get, I mean, you didn't read an article sure it
2: on was. it? Go Mr. Ahead. Irrelevant. You didn't Go know ahead.
4: who he was this year?
2: I don't. I don't know who Mr. Brock Irrelevant is. I think the whole Mr. Irrelevant thing is stupid. It's, it's a little disrespectful.
4: I, I, I would agree right. with that. I'm um, like, hey, In a seven-round draft, when, you have, you.
2: when <laughs> you have 400 undrafted guys who are signed like that, right. the last guy drafted, I, 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 I've i always thought it was stupid, and I, I think it is stupid and disrespectful to the guy.
4: Yeah, well, it was Brock Purdy this year. 49ers drafted him out of Iowa State. So uh, that was Mr. Irrelevant. Pick 262. And now he gets made fun of for the for the year until the next draft. All right, now I and get and now
2: that it's improved. They've dramatically improved an already stout quarterback room. We got a great quarterback room. We've added Brock Purdy to it in San Francisco. You're, you're along funny. With Maybe you can go
4: write ahead. one of those stupid headlines for Shanahan later today. Maybe he'll like annoying. That. All right, annoying. Sorry, stupid. Annoying. Whatever. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think I'm the biggest losers in the 2022 draft. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I know we talked about him a little while ago, but. Uh, yeah, I do look at it in a free agency. They didn't do much to help him out a whole lot. This was not an offense that we looked at to go. Oh my gosh, they're so incredibly talented. You know, they lost Allen Robinson in free agency. Darnell Mooney, I think is the best receiver on the team right now. You know, and the draft really don't address or do anything there other than Vilas Jones who's a good slot number three type receiver. Uh, But like we talked about earlier, I just don't see the vision there behind Justin Fields and what they're going to do or the support system here as of yet.
2: Yeah, look, I'm not going to get in the weeds with any teams or picks because we don't know what they're going to be. It's very easy to say Baker Mayfield. He was a huge loser this weekend because his best opportunity to go somewhere else and thrive went bye-bye when the Panthers and the Browns couldn't work out a deal. They weren't even close enough for Baker to say, yeah, I'll trim off a little bit of my salary to make this happen. The window closed. The Panthers go out and draft Matt Corral, and that's it. That's it. But Who knows what's going to happen now? I really do think Baker Mayfield has to get accustomed to the idea that he's not going anywhere, that he may be with Cleveland into the season. Salary's guaranteed already. They may keep him into the season, hold him right up to the trade deadline, Chris.
4: Yeah, and they might. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll just drag this on as long as possible to kind of see if they can get an inkling with the Deshaun Watson thing like we've talked about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um all right, my next one, I'm going I'll go I'm going go along the same lines along the same lines there. Debo Samuel. I'm going to go with Debo Samuel because you know, again, I think this was the weekend for you know, a chance for it to happen and it didn't even sound like it was even close to happening. I guess that's where I kind of look at it, to where it doesn't seem like any conversation between any team and the 49ers even got anywhere to the point where the 49ers were considering it. If he did want to get traded, yeah, he's going to have to wait, and he's going to have to probably wait to talk to John Lynch and Shanahan again and all that, but he's in a tough spot. He is. Like we've discussed a lot leading up to the draft, it's a hard time of the year now for teams and, you know, wait, assets to trade for this guy, money allotted. The 49ers are going to go, damn, we want something that helps us now, but wait, wait. The draft just happened, so now we're going to have to get picks from next year's draft. I think there's a lot of moving parts there, and I, I don't think you know Debo will benefit from it uh, ultimately.
2: And, and, and look, I agree with you, and uh, Pete asked, is it really that bad for him to be there? Well, he wants out, so apparently yeah, yes. that's I what I mean. There's dysfunction right. there right. that needs to be Taking undone some way, somehow. Right. I'm going to go with the Titans generally because, look, this is a team that had been a bedrock of stability in the AFC, the number one seed. And, yes, it didn't go well in the playoffs. But, hey, when you throw three interceptions and still almost win the game, it could have gone a lot worse. They they just seem like they're in this weird transition now. They add Malik Willis in round three. That sends a shot across the bout, Ryan Tannehill, and I think it puts a cap on how long he's going to be there. And the whole idea that you trade A.J. Brown – in year four of his contract, you scratch the lottery ticket, it's a winner, and you don't enjoy the proceeds of the winning ticket. You trade it in and you bring in another receiver and you put a bunch of extra pressure on Traylon Burks to be A.J. Brown. Hey, Traylon Burks, go be A.J. Brown. Well, you just could have kept A.J. Brown. I, I just, I, I feel like, I don't want to say they're losing their way, but they don't feel like that pinnacle of stability and we got a plan and it's all working it's just like all of a sudden I feel like they they're kind of all over the
4: place yeah I I I hear you there they're they're definitely taking a risk and maybe that's why Mike Vrabel was shaking his head after that and doing that going like man he's he looked like it was one of those like I can't believe we just did that and trade that guy for that guy whoa Whoa, okay, I'm a good team guy, but whoa, whoa. I mean, that's what it seemed like. So uh, I know we got we got to go to the break. and L- but,
2: Let's take a I break. Let's take a break, and yeah. we'll wrap up the draft of the losers from the 2022 draft when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, winners. Yesterday, losers today. Biggest losers from the 2022 draft. Chris, round three, you're up.
4: Well, all right. I think... I'm kind of down to Lamar Jackson a little because it wasn't great that he lost Hollywood Brown. And I also think it's like, like we discussed, it's kind of a look of, again, of like eh, core receivers that have options don't really want to go play there. Uh, That's not what they want to do. Hollywood Brown, see you. Sammy Watkins was there last year. I think that's how they're going to have to do it. It's going to be those type of players. Veteran guy, sign them. But I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. I know you just did the Titans. At least Lamar, they got him tight ends and a big tackle. Ryan Tannehill, I do think, is kind of a loser this weekend because he's in a tough spot. You you kind of alluded to it a little bit. You lose your receiver, the best receiver, unproven commodity. Robert Woods is your other receiver coming off an ACL injury. And now you're playing quarterback the the bad press around your last game is still hovering over you and the franchise and now you got Malik Willis breathing down your neck oh man if they don't get off to a good start or he's a little bumpy early on malik willis talk is going to come up
2: even though you basically just took two picks in I know. one... I didn't really mean to. I, I'm sorry. Take that's all right. I'm yeah. still taking Lamar Jackson. Good. Lamar Jackson yeah. was my pick. Right. Good. Because even though it's regarded as like the Ravens had this great draft, they did this, and they did that, and they, yeah, yeah, they they didn't draft any receivers, but the occasion didn't arise. But they've added a lot of great players. There's this perception yeah, that, yeah. that Hollywood Brown didn't want to play with Lamar Jackson. It's nothing against Lamar personally. It's the system. Well, the system is Lamar, and it, it really makes you wonder, does this work? And that's what makes the A.J. Brown trade more compelling. The Eagles are trying not to be too one-dimensional. They're going to try to force their way to be balanced. That's what the Ravens need to do. They've been talking about it, Chris. Will they do it?
4: Yeah, I, I know. We'll see. But you're right. It's going to be an issue for the Ravens, and they're going to have to approach offensive football a different way. That's it for today. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. See you
2: tomorrow morning. Have a great Tuesday. Yeah.